Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Wherever you are in the world, welcome back to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick. Today is my most special guest ever. I'm interviewing my dad, Neil Vogler, the man who raised me and my four brothers throughout our lives. He's now uh, in the final stages of his life. He's actually in hospice and we're together here in San Antonio, Texas. We have some time yet together and we wanna capture um, a little bit of his take on the role of business and society. We profited as a family from his having spent the bulk of his career as a chemical engineer with BASF, the big German chemical conglomerate. And uh, I thought it would be really interesting to have his insight about how the world of business has changed or not for the better in, uh, during his career and after. So welcome to the caring economy, Dad. Thank you very much, Toby. Always, by, always glad to be here and with you. <laughs> It's really quite special. Um, Dad, so in my show, I always ask people about their personal narrative. How did they get where they got in life and who maybe mentored them, where they hit some knocks and, and sort of picked themselves up by the bootstrings, bootstraps rather. I wonder if you might tell us a little bit about your narrative. How did you get into chemical engineering and then become a, so to speak, corporate gypsy? Okay, background. My uh, junior and senior year in high school, I had a, uh, super excellent uh, science teacher, uh, Chief Biden. Uh, I'm trying to think, I, I, I really don't remember his first name because he, everybody called him Chief, <laughs> but he was an excellent teacher um, in, in uh, physics and especially chemistry. He, he was teaching us, I say, he was teaching me uh, routines in chemistry that I didn't pick up uh, until I was really in college. Uh, so with, with that background, uh, I took some tests at uh, Michigan Tech, which was a uh, engineering school uh, close to home, I say close to home, uh, Sault Ste. Marie. Because you were born in Upper Michigan, I was Lower born Peninsula, Rogers City, Michigan. Yep. Mm -hmm. Minor detail, uh, <laughs> but during the uh, uh, the rundown, I had a uh, how do I say it? Not a knack, but had an interest in economics and in 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 science. So, uh, one of the uh, doctors I talked to at, at Tech said uh, engineering. And since I like chemistry and physics, to go with chemistry. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of got into that and pursued it. Mm -hmm. um, graduated in 1961 from Michigan Tech mm -hmm. with a degree in chemical engineering. Yeah. Uh, interviewed uh, a number of places. Uh, ended up with an offer for uh, a chemical company, Columbia Southern, which was a division of Pittsburgh plate glass, the chemical division. Or PPG, yep. And, and PPG, excuse me. And I uh, accepted the offer and started to work in the Barberton, Ohio plant uh, as, a, as a chemical engineer in the, uh, in the chlorinated solvents plant, worked that uh, trichloroethylene, worked that for a while as an area engineer and then uh, transferred to a chlorine plant uh, as an area engineer. Uh, let's see. 
while I was there, I got interviewed for a uh, uh, physician in tech service, technical service um, working out of Pittsburgh. So it was a step up. So I took, took that exposure with the company and uh, moved to Pittsburgh in, in, in the technical service and bounced around there for a while. And uh, I'll be back in Akron for a, for a weekend visiting friends. I went out for dinner at a, a restaurant we both knew and uh, ran into another, uh, saw another couple, two gals uh, having dinner and my friends, Rod and Cookie Parkhurst knew uh, these two gals. One was Sally Usnick and the other one was- uh, Carol, was it? Carol, yeah. Carol Kahida? No, no, not Carol Kahida. Uh, good Lord, I can see Sonny and Sherry, but I, anyway, <laughs> uh, being a young gentleman, I went over and I thought I'd give these two young gals a, a hand. They were having a lobster tail and I'd give them a hand shelling the, uh, the, the lobster and got talking to them and uh, look back at the table I came from, my friends Rod and Cookie had left. <laughs> left you with the girls. And left me with the girls. <laughs> so one of the girls agreed. Uh, I guess they both had driven up. Yeah, because Carol and, and uh, Sally was by herself. And so Carol, Carol was uh, living someplace else. So they both drove up. So Sally invited me, offered to drive me back to uh, the bar where we had we had left my car, and we uh, she dropped me off, and for some reason we ended up talking, and I remember uh, Herb Shake uh, blew the siren at three thirty in the morning, uh, saying that he was shutting the lights out and it was uh, time to vacate his parking lot, so. Uh, Kind of met, left, left our way, went a part of our ways with, I'm saying we, Sally and Sally and I. But uh, I went back to Pittsburgh and she, she was in the Akron area. And I found more reason to go to Akron, <laughs> more and more and more. And finally, it was, uh, I asked for a transfer back to uh, engineering. Uh, for some strange reason, I'd rather be in Akron than driving back and forth on weekends. So uh, the next thing I knew, I was just, I was just a, a young lad at the time. Uh, but smitten with I, mom. <laughs> there's something about this, this, young, this young gal coming back and uh, just really said, this is something really special. Mm -hmm. So I asked her to marry me. And for our audience, we need to know that uh, Sally was widowed with five boys. And I, so it wasn't just taking on a woman you were smitten with, but five young sons. It was, it was kind of a joke that uh, she didn't tell me she had five boys told until after we were married. But uh, I, I, I bounced around quite a bit. I mean, uh, it was, I was in engineering and at uh, Barberton, Ohio. 
and uh, the, my, 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 my boss just, my, my boss and I were okay, but uh, the, I'm going to call it his supervisor and I just did not hit off. Uh, he had a different set of values than, than I did. And we didn't agree. And I said, I think I should look for another job, which I did. Okay. And I hired on with a uh, company called Wyandotte Chemical mm -hmm. in, the, in the Wyandotte, uh, it's just an area just south of uh, Detroit. Mm -hmm. And uh, with a job in, as a project engineer working for a uh, extremely Good. Tom was a good friend as well as my boss, uh, Tom Frymore, and I traveled to a couple of plants. Oh, I was. You a, joined Wyandotte Chemical. No, 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 I, I, Wyandotte Chemical. And you liked your boss, Tom. He shared your yeah, values. And, and uh, uh, the uh, let's see, the general Wellington uh, was head of engineering. He and I didn't see the right way that uh, I had authority to approve $500 and I'm working on uh, projects in the responsible projects in, in in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, but I could only approve 500. And I thought that was uh, bad news. And at this time, married, moving in, living in Grosseal, I'm Got to know a number of friends. One of them happened to be Marty Paulson, who was a marketing manager in the chemical division. And we're kicking around talking about uh, responsibilities and frustrations. And uh, Marty said, you know, uh, maybe you should do something in marketing. And was this sales. with uh, Wyandotte Chemical as this, well? This or? is with Wyandotte okay. Chemical. And was Wyandotte Chemical a subsidiary of BASF or was that nope. come later? Nope. Okay. When I, when I, I joined Wyandotte Chemical in engineering, maybe about six or eight months later, uh, BASF acquired Wyandotte Chemical. Mm -hmm. uh, so coming back to Marty Paulson, Marty said about, well, maybe you should try something else like maybe marketing. And uh, he also made it much more attractive uh, from a monetary standpoint, which was not a problem. So I took a, uh, a transfer to from engineering from a project engineer to a assistant product manager in uh, industrial products, mm -hmm. uh, which included uh, you know, chlorine, a number, number of other, uh, yeah. Well, chemical substances, because uh, yeah, that's the nature of the business. Anyway, yeah. 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 And worked in that for a while, maybe a couple, maybe a couple months or whatever. And uh, uh, I'm trying to think, I made a move from the industrial products to the surfactant area and that was going okay but a different boss hell race 
he was okay, but he's totally different. John, John Tremonti was a, was a good, a good boy stuck up for his people. Mm -hmm. um, Not a lot of women that worked back then, were there? No, no. <laughs> All right. Uh, so there you are. You're moving around, trying different jobs within the company. And at, about that time, the sales manager, uh, Gus Goins, who was a good old Southern boy, said, you know, one thing I didn't have was sales experience. And I would agree that was uh, an open area. So I accepted a position in sales, mm -hmm. which made a move to Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, today we're, on the inter we're interviewing my stepfather, my dad, Neil Vogler, who spent most of his career in uh, chemical engineering with BASF, the German conglomerate. And we're talking about his, uh, his life and career around corporate America in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So, uh, Dad, you were just about to transfer the whole family out to Chicago. Right. Our first big move. Big move. The corporate big gypsies big began. Sales, and we uh, moved into Northbrook, Illinois. I had a uh, five-state territory. And in, in Northbrook, um, we ran into some new neighbors and turned out to be really, really good friends for a long, long time until we both passed away, Ben and Willie Walsh. Mm -hmm. And through Ben and Willie, we got to meet the Araskans. From London, yep. From London. And uh, uh, as I recall, you all shared your obsession of bridge. So throughout yeah, your yeah. adult lives, these three young families <laughs> regularly got together, not so much for friendship, but for bridge. <laughs> yes. And uh, I joke, you were friends I, and remain friends. Uh, Alana and, and Mert. Mert was with the British Airways. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, from and they, 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 they were here in the States and their kids were going to school in, in, in London. And uh, Mert, Alana was going home to visit the kids and on BOAC, um, which is the precursor to British Airways, British Overseas yeah. Airline Corporation. Uh, yep. She asked if uh, Sally wanted to go along and at no charge. And I said, then, okay, uh, Sally was an excellent housekeeper, uh, or super organized. She had meals planned ahead, whatever. And uh, she agreed. And I said, we'll work it out. I can were calls in the Chicago area versus being out of town, all that kind of stuff. And uh, she left. Uh, and just before she left, I get a call that the uh, company wanted me to come back to the Detroit area for a week of what they called sensitivity training. Hmm. And, and I said, I couldn't. And they said, well, if I liked my job, I would. Hmm. Uh, so much for sensitivity. So, 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 anyway, for a long time, for a short time, what the hell am I going to do? Um, Sally was getting ready to go. We had uh, some neighbors, the, uh, let's see, Jerry, uh, I, I can't remember his last name, but he was a, he was a real jerk. Uh, but his wife was very nice, and we had met, uh, 
when they say Gretchen, not, it wasn't Gretchen. But anyway, we had met the wife's mother and she was re widowed, retired. And I said, would she be willing to babysit the kids? And not so much babysit that, but I would, I would pay her. Five young boys. Five young boys. She said, oh, she'd love it. So, okay. And it wasn't, it wasn't free. I said, how much, how, how much would you expect me to do? Oh, I do, you don't need to pay me. I said, I will pay you something. So I went back to the company. I said, you know, here's the situation. My wife's gone. I can't make it. You're saying I must be there. I've got a housekeeper, but she'll charge $50 a day. The company said, okay. So Sally was off to London. I was off to school. And, uh, and can you tell us what uh, sensitivity training meant in the 70s at BASF? <laughs> was it about race or gender or it, 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 something else? The funny thing is, is basically it was how to get along with your, your boss. And mm -hmm. I, I thought it was kind of funny in retrospect that uh, one, of the, one of the guys in the, in the session was there with his boss. <laughs> and it's like, how can you be open and have an open discussion when you might have to criticize your boss? Correct. Um, You're intimidated. So, yeah. well, it, so was, it was basically the, the whole idea of the sensitive was an awareness of others. Yep. And now it does seem to me, Dad, though, that your overall experience with BASFS was quite positive and that it was a very forward-thinking corporation. Well, without a doubt. I mean, yeah. um, uh, Wine.com was not backwards, but they, they didn't have the, uh, the, the, the it was kind of a, a in, in retrospect, the people I knew uh, that were with Wyandotte and stayed with Wyandotte. I don't want to say they were, were good old boys, but there was there is a sense of loyalty to the company and to their people. Mm -hmm. And that's something over, over a period of time, I think a lot of companies, corporate America has lost. Yes. That uh, people are not really all that important. Um, and unfortunately that, um, you know, I'm gonna say it, it comes down to money is the money, the salary to the employee or the shareholders' profits? Really to the shareholders' profits. Yeah, the, that dominates. The, the care for people isn't there mm -hmm. the way it was before. Yeah. Uh, well, I wonder if in hindsight, uh, did BASF function purely for profit of its shareholders? Or did you have a sense as an employee that they were in fact vested in you and your family? It seemed to me that they were vested in our well-being. Yeah, mixed emotions because... Uh, they were, my, my experiences, there's a lot of play with, uh, with individuals, but there were also instances where money was more, really was more important. Yeah, well, I can remember as an example when we, it was quite exciting for us as kids, but uh, also in the mid 70s, you were on strike duty in Baton Rouge oh. and the whole family went down there for part of the summer which for us was like a, a very fancy holiday. But for you, you were there filling a gap, I guess, right? Well, that's when I found out family meant one person. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Um, having, having been down in Louisiana for like 
three weeks, whatever, uh, we, someone in the company decided that, that uh, you couldn't work longer than uh, three weeks without having some time off. And you could either go back home and uh, visit family or your family could come down and visit your family was one person and uh, you'd be off for three days. And uh, I kind of told them what they could do with that, but uh, once the, uh, the scabs, which was what we re referred to us to said, uh, once we got the time off, they had a meeting, the company said um, that would not be, it would be, it would be considered uh, as time worked, but not at the pay that uh, you were accustomed to. The, the, uh, the scabs were, were getting. Mm -hmm. And that took about, I remember having a meeting uh, in the main office at the Geismar plant. And I, was, I talked to my boss and I said, now I know why the union is on strike. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I'll come back. I mean, if I can just uh, have my wife come down. My wife is not my only family. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's sort of like your Norma Ray moment when you got up on yeah, the chair yeah, and, it's, <laughs> and it's, said it's, family yeah, is more than yeah. one. Uh, that, was, that was turned around uh, in, in the favor, but they didn't change the uh, statement that uh, family was only one person. So I said, the hell with it. So I had my family uh, come down, which, and I, I they, they did pay for Sally, but I paid for everybody else. Mm -hmm. And uh, during the time working in the, in a, in a chlorine plant, uh, during strike duty, yep. During strike duty, I had grown a beard. It was a, kind of as a safety precaution because of the possibility of acid spills and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so they uh, picked the kids up at the airport in, in New Orleans. Uh, Geismar was between Baton uh, Rouge and New Baton Orleans. Rouge and New Orleans. Mm -hmm. uh, I had this white beard. And scared the hell out of the guys. I didn't know who in the hell this white-haired old man was because my, my beard came in white. Uh, still is. It still is. Uh, and I must say, you wear it well. Who, who's, who's this white-haired guy trying to grab this, hug me? Uh, but we, uh, we, the company was paying a per diem uh, plus meals. Uh, to all of us four were down there and uh, I got a uh, arrangement where I made a deal with the, the hotel for uh, two rooms for the family and it kind of one of the rules was when when I came home from work um, hotel one room was mine. They had to bake. Sally and the boys had to vacate 
-hmm. so I could sleep. Then I go back. I was working twelve-hour shift, seven days a week. Wow. But for us, it was quite an exciting time. Yep. We got to go to New Orleans and Baton Rouge and ice cream factories and see a part of the world. So and we made some made some very good friends. Uh, made, made a very good friend. Uh, yeah, Chu. Chu at, at the hotel. I mean, he was just super. Uh, yeah, he was the waiter there who was studying and then um, from Malaysia. Right. And uh, he came back and uh, visited us over, over Christmas. And uh, I had an occasion to go out of town on business, uh, take, take a company airplane, fly into Pennsylvania, run a test on a product, and I'd be back the same day. Well, this was right around Christmas time. And so I didn't tell Sally I was going to be out of town or because I really was going to be going out the same day and back the same coming day. back the same day. Not a problem. Um, so the, the guys were cleaning out the fireplace from Christmas and they didn't uh, make sure that all the uh, the ashes, were, ashes cold. were cold. So they dumped hot ashes into the, uh, the trash, trash can. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, the uh, garage door was open. It caught on fire. And the uh, when I say it was fortunate, the garage door was open because the neighbor across the street saw that and said, we've been a kind of crazy family. Uh, people coming and going all the time. <laughs> Asian people and other and, things. And whatever. <laughs> and uh, just happened to call that call the house or whatever and uh, said, uh, I, th I think you should know that your garage is on fire. So Sally, uh, Todd was coming home from uh, his old, old, one of his older brothers was coming home from the grocery store when the fire truck came, was running by. And- uh, Only to realize that it was his house that was on fire. It was at my house, his house. And uh, Sally had called me at work. And my secretary said, no, he's not here today. And it's like, what do you mean he's not here today? I was out of town. I was unavailable. I came back to a very uh, verbal assault by your wife. <laughs> the house on fire, you're not around. Yeah. I don't know if we can use this or not to edit, but it, it was a good ass chewing. Uh, <laughs> it's something like to the effect that don't you ever, ever try and do that again. So, so and that was when we had Chu visiting from um, the Malaysian uh, hotel worker who we'd befriended that summer in yes. Baton Rouge. Um, ladies and gentlemen, stick with us. Uh, we'll be right back. Um, Again, ladies and gentlemen, today we have Neil Vogler with us today, my dad, who raised my four brothers and myself, um, spent most of his career with BASF in corporate America. We were gypsies who moved every year or two. We used to joke amongst family and friends that we were just two steps ahead of the FBI or the tax authorities. <laughs> Everyone always assumed we were military folks. Um, but I, I wanted to acknowledge, Dad, that you and Mom uh, raising four boy, five boys in a very middle-class Midwestern family at the time um, still exposed us to really great global 
people and experiences, really a very international global worldview you afforded each of us. And it certainly influenced my life and my career. And I want to thank you for that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we had an exchange student from the Philippines when we lived in Grozio. We had uh, Jovi, and then we had Chu, as you mentioned, from Malaysia. And then, of course, the Araskans when we were in Chicago, um, who've remained very dear in our families' lives. Um, I wonder if you, you might talk a little bit about um, the global view that we have, if we do. Do you feel that um, that was just coincidental or accidental, or was it deliberate by you and mom to expose your family and yourselves to different cultures and different people? Just thinking, having, having met Ben and Willie Walsh and Mert Alana Raskin was just meeting and molding them, but just really a, a, a great, great friendship. Um, ben and Willie had uh, a couple daughters. Um, unfortunately, one, one was a, a stewardess. Uh, mm -hmm. Who passed early. Yeah. Passed early and it wasn't, it wasn't an accident or whatever. It was disease or unfortunate um, it, 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 we, we just as as a as a as couples we just hit it off very well and the what would you say made it special i i sort of made light of bridge but i think that shared love of bridge it, was a was one thing it, it was i mean and certainly you had large families each. Yeah. Well, it was, it was when you think about families, it's, it was uh, maybe uh, you guys were their surrogate children while they were here. Uh, mm -hmm. Ben and Willie were here because uh, the Erasmus kids were uh, going to school in England. As we, as we talked about earlier. Uh, but that's about it. Too. Yeah, I, um, that's all right. Yeah. That's good. Um, Dad, one, just a couple last questions, if you fill up for it. Um, I, I wonder, you know, there's an old adage that uh, um, when some nobody regrets having not worked hard enough on their deathbed, do you do you have any regrets about having worked too hard or is there anything you would have done differently based on the life you lived, which strikes me as been very full and generous? Yeah. <laughs> you can be snarky if you want. No, uh, <laughs> I, I guess looking back, I wish I could It's all right. Spent what? It's all right. More time with you guys. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Do you think that you're different than your peers? Or that's kind of how no, men, because it no. was men that were the breadwinners then usually. Yeah, no. I. 
I thought you were pretty present for what I, it's I, worth. Okay, I, <laughs> I mean, I'd say I wish I had spent more time. Yeah. Because um, oh. that's one thing that you may say, I don't have the time, I don't have the time, but we we'll all encounter circumstances. You can be saying that there's no way in the hell I can do it, but the circumstance, what would I say? I don't care what you say, you've got to do it and you do it. Yep. And uh, you make the time. You yeah. make the time. There you go yeah. for that which matters. So dad, one last sort of thought here. You you were raised by very strict German Protestant parents in, in rural Northern Michigan. And frankly, were a bit intimidating for me as a kid. Um, and now here we are, I learn as you've entered hospice that in fact, your father, we've talked about cremation and having some of your ashes spread at a preserve that was named in your father's honor, the Herman Vogler Conservation Area in Presque Isle, Michigan. I had no idea that your father was that kind of conservationist or that such a place even existed. What, what role did nature play in your family in the outdoors? Uh, my dad was a, a hunter. Um, I remember as a kid growing up, he would go out in the uh, hunting and he would bring home uh, a, a box, which he'd shot, he'd skin them. I remember he used an ironing board in a, uh, down in the basement of the house. Uh, to skin them. So, yeah, and he, he was a, a sportsman. Mm -hmm. uh, he and my man, My, my brother-in-law, Donnie, my dad, my sister, uh, were very active and, and formed the Sportsman's Club. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad was very active with the, uh, the, uh, the city in uh, activities, uh, I think at Kiwanis Club and But uh, with with the sportsman's club, um, they built the uh, excuse me in the uh, the preserve area. The older in the old old days, um, Rogers City area, northern northern Michigan was a lot of uh, logging. Mm -hmm. And uh, just just some things that come up that I. Uh, a lot of things are destroyed, or yeah, a lot yeah. of things are destroyed. I'm thinking uh, there was a, a state highway M M68 between uh, Roger City and the nearest town of any size would would have been uh, on the way. There M68, uh, and there's a. The local river, which uh, Akak River, uh, and Akak Falls, whatever. Uh, is that where the preserve is? No, I'm trying to think. Just I'm losing my train of thought. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that's all right. But your dad's conservation area was named in his honor, out of his <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm trying to back nature. to the, the nature mm -hmm. and logging, the M60 between. Um, Roger City in, in, in Conaway, 
for the longest time. I remember it was a dirt road, even mm -hmm. though it was a state highway. Then it got paved. And uh, while they're doing some work, they were going to uh, uh, straighten the road out. There's one curve. And at the, the bend in the road, there was a remaining single pine tree that, that had not been logged that had not been logged i mean it was huge and they were going to cut that down and the uh, uh congress yeah conservation department as well as my dad said no wow they never changed the rules so he's a bit of a tree hugger <laughs> but yeah. as a hunter as yeah. well yeah that was such a cool story i never knew that about your dad yeah. And I'm honored that it's named in his honor and that uh, we can celebrate that. Well, yeah, a lot of the, the, uh, the sportsman's club and stuff like that is right in the same area. Yep. And uh, as I said, dad and just a small group really put the whole thing together. Real visionaries. Yeah. Well, it'd be an honor to share some of your ashes there. And um, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank my dad, Neil Vogler for joining us today on The Caring Economy, sharing some of his insights and experiences as a corporate gypsy, uh, working in the 60s, 70s, and 80s in America, and, um, and then reflections on life in general. Dad, you get the last word. What say you? It's enough for today. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Again, okay. ladies and gentlemen, Toby Usnick, The Caring Economy. Thanks, Dad. Love okay. you.